0: Welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or ten forty-five a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's
1: message. How many you guys love you some Jesus today? You guys love you some Jesus today? Man, I love it. I know Christmas is around the corner, but uh, today we celebrate. If you're a guest or a visitor with us today, it's great to have you at Reliance. We call ourselves a family, and so uh, by default, even if you're a visitor today, welcome to uh, the family. We consider you guys part of the family. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, uh, we're finishing up a, a series we've been in, in, in called When Jesus Moves Into the Neighborhood, and um, really just kind of this identity of this real God, the real God of the universe, stepping down in the real person of Jesus Christ has real implications on our life, and so we've kind of gone back and forth of what these implications have looked like, and, and we've talked about that over the last couple of weeks, and and, and, and just this identity of John 1.14, and that's kind of where we've stemmed all of this from. And, and it's the story of Jesus coming down from the take of John in the Gospels. And it's John 1.14, and it says, So the Word became human and made his home among us. Other translations say the Word became flesh and dwelt Among us, the one that we kind of went off of for for this series that we don't usually talk about the message translation very often, but love how it says in the message translation, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And so the whole idea of that is that that God is near. God's not far. God is very near to us. In fact, the word dwelt, if you have that translation, the word dwelt in the Greek comes from the word tent. And so the word became flesh and basically uh, pitched his tent among us. That that essentially that that he just came down, made his home uh, among us. And so um, this idea for some people in, in life is that God is up here, I'm down here, he's not so much interested in my life, and and I think that scripture kind of dispels all of that, and I hope that we have that in our hearts, that it's not God here, we're down here, God's not super interested in your life, because I want you to hear this today, if you hear nothing else, I just want you to hear today, God is so much, uh, God, God has so much interest in your life that he actually stepped off his throne to come and dwell among you. Like he, he wants that relationship. He wants that closeness. We, we call it intimacy in here a lot. He wants that intimacy with you where it's just you and him. He wants that so much, and, and yet so many things in life tell us to keep him at arm's length. And so our hope is that we're breaking that down a little bit. So we've worked through um, over the last couple of weeks of, of what these implications of Jesus coming to planet Earth meant. And we talked about how Jesus stepped down to restore. He just stepped down to restore us, that there was enmity between us and God, that there was distance between us and God because of our sin, like God was still very much interested in our life, but we were enemies of God, it says in Scripture. And so we talked about how Jesus came to restore that right relationship back with God. Then last week we talked about how he came to rename us. That he came and he renamed us. If you look through scripture, there's so many places where when God came into the situation that he renamed, he renamed people. He renamed valleys that people were in. He renamed situations in our life. And and because he reclaims us, he has the right to rename us. And so wherever you're at today, positionally, I want you to hear this. Wherever you're at today, God came into your life to rename you and the name that he gives you is sons and daughters of his. Amen? So he brings us back into right position uh, with him, and so he restores us, he renames us, and then I want to talk about today something that I believe that Christmas was the beginning of. That when Jesus stepped down onto planet Earth, his calling was to release us into the ministry of reconciliation. Everybody say release, and reconciliation. He came to not just restore us. He came to not just rename us and give us position in him as sons and daughters. But Jesus came to release us into the ministry of reconciliation. And I think out of all the things in Christianity that we sometimes grapple with, this is one of the most difficult. We're all about being restored with God. We want that. It's key. I mean, it's critical. We want salvation. We want to know that someday we're going to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. We want the restoration work. We all want that renaming process where I was once a sinner, fallen from God, but he came and renamed me. He gave me position in his kingdom, right? He gave me that position of son or or daughter in the presence of God. And, And so we love that identity of being renamed in God's kingdom. But I think the one that we really struggle with is this identity of this ministry of reconciliation. And the reason is, is that we live in a world that's broken. We live in a world where conflict is real. Anybody know that this morning, conflict is real? Anybody out there? Okay, two of us have conflict in our life, awesome. We we live in a world where conflict is real and some of you in here today, there is real conflict in your life. There are real things that you're struggling through, maybe in your marriage, maybe with your family, maybe with coworkers, maybe with your neighbors, maybe you've just got conflict with the enemy. There's a spiritual battle raging in your heart this morning. But we know that conflict is real, and so when we talk about this ministry of reconciliation, this identity of being reconciled back to God, but also reconciled back to one another, it's pivotal in the Christian life. Yet we hang so much on being restored. We hang so much on being renamed in him, but are we hanging on this identity that he gave us something? He passed something on to us, and that is this ministry of being released into reconciliation. We've talked about this each week, uh, this idea of our neighborhoods that all of us have different neighbors that we live around. And let me just ask you a question this morning. Have any of you guys ever been in your neighborhood and had conflict with your neighbors? Anybody? Anybody ever have conflict with your neighbors? Right? Most of us probably have had some type of conflict. And maybe it was a big conflict. Maybe it was like they mowed on your side a little bit. Anybody, is that like conflict to you? Or they, and they've got different levels of mowing. Drives me crazy, right? But anyways, we, we all at times have conflict in our neighborhoods. And how do we typically handle conflict in our neighborhoods? Avoid, 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 right? Like that's, I think the greatest invention to mankind may have been the automatic garage door opener, right? Because that's how you avoid. You can hit it now, you can be in your garage. We've talked about this. It shuts before anybody even sees you. Whereas before you had to look around, park your car, get out, open it up, and all of a sudden the annoying neighbor comes over. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? So typically, what we do to handle conflict in neighborhoods, we just avoid them. We just avoid them in any way, shape, or form that we can. I remember when we first moved into a neighborhood um, in Arlington, Kansas, a little small town that we first grew up in, and uh, we were the pastor family, so you're already labeled, Right? And uh, I'll just say, my brothers and I—we had a little bit of honoriness, rowdiness in us. And I'll, I'll never forget um, my older brother, uh, even from the time that he was young, he was always kind of a bigger kid. And I'm like—I'm talking like muscular kid. They used to teasing. They call him like, "Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Rambo," and all these kinds of things. Well, he didn't realize that they were saying, "No, you're just really strong." He thought they were teasing him. And so I'll never forget. There was a boy in the, in the neighborhood. and He was coming. He's like, "Hey, Arnold, you're so big, Arnold, right?" And and now he would appreciate that. But um, he. And so my older brother, he was crying, had tears in his eyes. And it was kind of like the Christmas story. You guys know the Christmas story where Ralphie kind of goes ballistic on the kid, right? He takes the kid, he just goes, wham, on his handlebars. And the kid comes up, bloody nose. And then Brandon runs off and he's crying, right, after he beat the kid up, essentially. And he runs back into the house. And my dad's like, Brandon, why are you crying? Why are you crying? He said, the kid out there was making fun of me, calling me Arnold. And so I, I hit his head into the handlebars and I ran home, right? And he goes, we are the pastor family, right? And he grabs him, he says, you will march down there and you will reconcile this with their family. I'll never forget, Brandon's crying, he's down there, he's like, I'm sorry that I, you know, beat your kid up and, you know, all these kind of things. There was reconciliation that had to happen in the neighborhood. There was reconciliation that had to happen because if that was left unreconciled, there would be a disunity between us and them. You see, church, this is the way we typically handle conflict. We typically try to avoid it so that we don't have to do that. But I want you to hear the heart of Christmas. The heart of Christmas is that God looks down. He sees a bunch of people defaming his name. God looks down. He sees a bunch of people just doing reckless things. He sees a bunch of people wallowing in sin. He sees a bunch of people wallowing in themselves. And instead of avoid, 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 God says, I'm coming, (laughs) I'm stepping down into that mess, I'm stepping down into that nightmare, I'm stepping down into that sin and that brokenness, I'm stepping down because I wanna reconcile something with you. And even though it should've been on us, it should've been on us going, no, 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 God, you didn't didn't do anything, it's us, we're supposed to approach you. God first approached us, amen, church. It's a beautiful picture when you think about reconciliation, and so when we talk about Christmas and Jesus coming, we have to look at those implications that yes, he came to restore, yes, he came to rename, but he came to give us something and that gift that he gave us was that gift of reconciliation. If you have your Bibles, I wanna show you this, 2 Corinthians chapter five, 2 Corinthians chapter five, we, we, we love this, I love this scripture verse, we, we use it uh, a lot because I, I think it's, it's an important one and, and I think because of the way he opens, I think that we'll see something here in verse 11, 2 Corinthians five eleven. He says this. Paul says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. Now, I think that that's really key. I'm gonna stop there for a minute. He says, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. And I just, I would just have you pause for a minute and underline that, or write that down, or highlight that, or if you've got your phones, text it to yourself or whatever. And ask yourself, do you understand your fearful responsibility to the Lord? Do you understand it? Paul's assuming because you understand it, in other words, that you've been redeemed, you've been saved by God, you've been, you know, wrapped up in his loving arms. He says, because we understand our fearful responsibility of the Lord, we work hard to what? Everybody say persuade. Persuade others. There's something that we've been given that we're working hard to do in other people's lives. But it starts first with us understanding our responsibility to the Lord. Now he goes on and he says this in verse 14. Either way, Christ's love controls us or compels us, Scripture says. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so those who receive his new life will no longer will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. If anyone is in in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here." All of this is from God who reconciled himself to us. Now, remember what I just said. It should have been our responsibility to reconcile us to God. It should have been our responsibility to go to him. But we weren't going to do that in our brokenness, in our mess, in our nightmare. we, We weren't doing that. And so he says, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed, everybody say committed. Committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I love that word committed. He has committed us to this message of reconciliation. When I think of that word committed, uh, I'll always love, I'll go to my wife and say, hey babe, I made plans to go hang out with the guys and she says, we're already committed, okay? Do you know what that means? Do not change my plans, Right? It means if you've got a plan, Aaron, you need to change that because we've already been committed to something. And so it's really this identity of saying, look, we may have plans in our life, we may have other things that we're after, we may be chasing our own dreams, But what we're committed to is the dream of reconciliation the Lord birthed in our heart a long time ago. This is so important for us, church, and I think that we need to get this. By default, when you come into Jesus, reconciliation becomes your purpose. I wanna say that again, by default, when you come into Jesus, when you say yes to Jesus, when you invite Jesus Christ into your life, you pray it, whatever, you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, that moment that you confess that, something happens. You've been reconciled back to God and then you've been given something. And what you've been given is the gift of the ministry of reconciliation. By default, that becomes your purpose today, church. The goal of Jesus hasn't changed. He came, yes, to restore and to save and to do all those things, but he came to reconcile us back to God and to one another. We have been reconciled, therefore we have this ministry of reconciliation placed upon us. The term reconcile defined is simply this, to restore friendly relations with, to make compatible again. And so today what I want to do real quickly is I want to break these two things down. I want to break down this identity of reconciliation into two things. One, reconciliation back to God because it starts there. And then two, reconciliation in our relationships with one another. I think there's two parts to reconciliation that he's talking about. One is our relationship back to God. It starts there. We've got to start there. We do not reconcile. We do not have the ministry of reconciliation until first we're reconciled with God. Amen? But then two, there's something about this thing between us that God loves. There's something about seeing a broken person over here who's been hurt by a broken person over here. There's something about the heart of God that loves to see that mended. And so reconciliation on both of those is a big thing. And so let's talk real quickly about reconciliation back to God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter two. Luke chapter two, starting with verse 13. And we get a little, again, picture of Jesus and the story of Jesus coming. The angels appear to the shepherds in this moment. So you, you know the story, you've probably heard the story a thousand times, and it says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, everybody say peace, peace. and on earth peace, goodwill toward men Now I just want you to listen to this, peace on earth towards men and women is the announcement that the angels made when they came. I want you to hear this from the heart of God, Jesus loves you. Ryan said it earlier, he says let's just practice something together that maybe we don't always practice and that is say Jesus loves me. We all said it together, Jesus loves you, he loves people, understand this, God is not against you. God loves you. God has a desire for you. God has a purpose for you. He wouldn't spend all the time spinning his wheels, do all the things that he's done if he was just sitting there going, oh, I love when they're miserable, amen? He just doesn't do that. It's not like he's up there relishing your misery. That's not what he's after. He loves you. And and, and, and I'm gonna tell you right now, he loves you because you and I were created in his image for a purpose. He loves you. And you need to hear that today. And he hates the enemy, (laughs) He absolutely hates the enemy. And his desire is to see people who've been infected by the enemy and affected by the enemy. His desire is to see people made whole again, spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. We, we say it in First John all the time. Jesus said that, that, that he came to destroy the works of the devil. I mean, that's why he came, to undo what Satan had done. He reconciles us back to God. And who doesn't want that, right? Everybody wants that. We all desire that. If you were broken, you want to be made whole. Nobody goes to the store and buys something broken, do you? <laughs> (laughs) Maybe you're like one of those guys that likes, but what do you do when you buy a bro? You fix it, right? Your goal is to fix it. We like when things work. We like when things are whole. We like when things are put together. And so when we were once broken, Jesus is stepping down to make us whole again. And I'm telling you right now, everybody desires that. I've never met a person who walks around in life and says, the rest of my life, I want to live broken, like just shattered. I want to live where I don't have a whole mind. I want to live where my heart is constantly in fear and turmoil. I want to live where I'm constantly in worry. I've never met anybody that says that. But yet so many of us live our life like that. And so we all want that wholeness. And then he goes on and he says, we're an extension then of that ministry that brings that wholeness. By bringing the word of reconciliation to all people. Remember John 17, 18. John 17, 18, Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says, just as you sent me into the world, Jesus is saying, Father God, as you sent me, as, as, as I, you stepped off the throne in me, right, this Trinity thing that we're all trying to wrap our minds around, as you stepped off the throne, just as you sent me, he says this in, in John 18, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. So if Jesus came with the ministry of reconciliation, then you gotta believe in your heart that that ministry hasn't changed for you and I. And and, and here's something fascinating that I think is important. Do you know what the shepherds did after they found Jesus? Immediately after they found Jesus, they experienced him for themselves. It says that they went out and they shared the good news with others. They didn't run back immediately to their sheepfolds. They didn't run back immediately, just say, well, that was fantastic, and then just go back to ordinary life. Something stirred in their hearts. They began to realize that the peace that they just experienced by seeing the baby in the manger, that that joy that they just experienced, that peace that just overwhelmed them, they began to realize in that moment that that was news that every single person should hear about. This is why the declaration of the angels is so important. Peace on earth. And we're looking at that going, how is there peace on earth? That's crazy. And yet the shepherds encountered this loving Arms of of God through Jesus Christ, and something switched in their hearts. Something changed in their hearts. They encountered and they left changed. We see the same thing at the tomb. You remember when the women ran to the tomb, the tomb was empty? Did they stay at the tomb? Did they weep at the tomb? No, they got up after the angel appeared and and told them, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Something stirred in their hearts. They encountered Jesus then in that moment, if you remember. They encountered Jesus, and then they ran back, and they told everybody, we've just encountered Jesus. When you have an encounter with the God of the universe, church, listen to me. When you have an encounter with the God of the universe, you will always leave changed, always. And something in you stirs that says, I can't keep this to myself. I can't have this where I've just encountered a living God. I've just had this moment with the God of the universe, and then all of a sudden you're just going to say, I'm going to tuck that right here for later on. Something in you begins to burst out. Something in you begins to say, man, I've got this peace, overwhelming joy, overwhelming love, overwhelming hope. And I can't keep it inside. I can't keep it to myself. Let me just share why this is so important that he encountered the shepherds. The angels encountered the shepherds. The message that the angels had that night was to a group of shepherds who were not highly regarded shepherds in this time you've you've probably heard this shepherds in this time were not highly regarded now what we've done is we've changed that from children's books and and doing nativity scenes and dressing kids up you know for nativity scenes and, and and all these things we 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 forget so we've made shepherds to look like they're these really peaceful like really good guys and those kinds of things but in these days man shepherds were actually very shady people They were very shady men who couldn't be trusted. In fact, shepherds were not able to testify in the courts because no one thought that they were capable of telling the truth. Maybe sometimes that's why we dress our kids up. I don't know, like that. I'm just saying. (laughs) They were considered ritualistically unclean. And because they were unclean, they couldn't go to the temple and worship. And because they couldn't go to the temple and worship, they were essentially outcasts from what you would call religious systems of the day. So all of a sudden, these men who were outcasts, who didn't even go to the temple to worship, that were ritualistically unclean, that couldn't be trusted because essentially they were considered all liars, that were shady men, not just because they were considered shady, but because they did shady things. Because of all of this, it's pretty interesting that they were considered outcasts, they were not close to God in any way, shape, or form, and yet in the night that Jesus was born, they were the ones that the angels came to visit. Jesus came to bring peace to all God's people, regardless from what background you were from. Amen? He came to bring peace and bring you close to him, no matter who you are or where you're from reconciliation doesn't carry with it a respecter of persons. What I mean by that is you don't have to be a certain type of person to share the ministry of reconciliations. That's why it's so powerful and purposeful. I don't know if you have that picture up here. Um, of Ryan and, or yeah, yeah, right here. So uh, there's a guy, you guys know him. His name is, we call him Mark the Hammer, right? And from Gang Life, he sometimes comes and and, uh, long story short, he posts this every year for Ryan. So my brother's like this, you know, suburban guy. And this is what he says. He says, when you and your buddy are very different but remain tight because he's your boy, me, Ryan, and a few brothers in Christ. So Mark's all tatted up, right? That's, that's just a fake picture, right? That's not really of them. But this is what it looks like when they hang together. <laughs> He's not a respecter of persons. A guy like that and a guy like this all have within them the capability to carry the ministry of reconciliation. A guy like Mark the Hammer who comes in and you look at him and the first time you see him and you see him, you're like, man, this guy, gang lifestyle, that's where he's from, saved by the blood of Jesus. Then you look at a guy like Ryan, you know, grew up his whole life in these suburban places and and they, they grow up to, you know, different lifestyles, different scenarios, different situations in their life. And yet both of them find Jesus. They both are gifted with the same ministry, the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry that God can change lives. Amen. This is why it's so important to understand that when Jesus visited the shepherds, it would have been a lot like that. People would be like, what are you doing? Why are the angels coming to the shepherds? Why are they the ones that are receiving this good news? I want you to hear this, church, because it's important that not everyone had the fairy tale church experience. Not everyone grew up in Sunday school classes. Not everyone knew what flannel graphs were, amen? Like, go put David up there, you know, and you stuck him up there. Not everyone knew all the lyrics, man, to spring up a well and the actions with it. Does anybody know the actions of that? All right, Good Christians out there. Not everybody had the same church experience. Not everybody grew up the same. And Ephesians 2.17 tells us this. And he, Jesus, came and he preached peace. Everybody say peace. To you who were far off, that didn't have that experience, that never grew up in that system, that never grew up in that way. He preached peace. To you who are far off, and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access. He's talking Jews, Gentiles. We both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So when Jesus came to preach peace, it was those near to those near and far. And with all of us in this room, some of us grew up near. Some of us feel like we grew up super far. Reconciliation, then you could say was for this, for those who've always said, man, I've been a church kid my whole life. Reconciliation has always been for those people that say, man, I've been marked by addiction. Reconciliation is for those that says, I've been labeled a cheater. Reconciliation is for those that said, man, I've really screwed up my marriage. Reconciliation is for those that says, I really feel like I've screwed up my kids. Reconciliation is for those that feel like my whole life has been a lie reconciliation, despite all of those things, the message of reconciliation has come in Jesus Christ. And because of that, we're committed now to that. We're committed to that message of reconciliation, the message that brings hope, the message that says you've been made new. Let me just speak this for just a minute because I think it's important. The transforming and renaming power of Christ came over you. At some point in time, you're probably in here. And I don't, wanna, I don't wanna make that sound like everybody in here knows Jesus. Maybe you don't, maybe today's your day. But for most of us in this room, something stirred in your heart and the transforming power and renaming power of Jesus came over you. This transforming power of Christ came over you. And instead of identifying with your old nature and saying, man, I'm just a terrible person, you looked down and you realized instead, Christ says, no, you're a beloved son. And when that something stirred in your heart in that moment, and when you said, I've been marked my whole life by addiction, and Jesus says, no, you've been marked your whole life as a beloved daughter, something stirs in your heart in that moment. The grace of God transformed you. The grace of God reconciled you back to him. And because of that, then he says, so what are you going to do with it? If you know that you've been broken and now you've been made whole, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to keep it inside or are you going to do something with it if this is the case then it's the greatest work in the world when we talk about reconciliation because it's the greatest issue that the world deals with if this is the case man and that was your life like man i was going this way i just felt gripped by the lord he came and he changed things i don't care if you grew up in church man i see more church people get saved amen than other people you get saved out of your religious experiences. You get saved out of God's up here, I'm down here, I just have to go to church and notch my belt. You get saved from your religious moments. You get saved from your sacred cows, where if church doesn't have an organ, then somehow, you know, it's not heavenly. Whatever it is, Some, sometimes, man, it's just God transforming those things in your life. But something stirs in you, and then all of a sudden you realize, man, reconciliation becomes the greatest tool that we have to give to the world. The reconciliation of Christ that's what we live for the ministry then of reconciliation but then there's a second part to that so that's between us and God the second part to that real quickly is this the message of reconciliation brings peace into our relationships look I'm just gonna tell you that this out of all of them like we get that God's reconciled us probably some of us in here but I think the difficulty is that we're not reconciled to people around us so I want to I just be honest in here for just a minute and say this is probably one of the most difficult parts of it, is that reconciliation is a two way street. If therefore God was good enough to reconcile us, then do we see other people as good enough to be reconciled? You see church, this right here is where we sometimes hear that statement where the rubber meets the road. I think if we were just honest for a moment, when the angels declared peace on earth, that seems like a difficult statement. You look around, you don't see peace on earth. In fact, you see families in struggle and marriages in struggle and conflict in our homes and our workplaces. But we need to hear this. Jesus didn't just come to bring salvation in our life. He came to reconcile and restore relationships between one another. Let me tell you one of the things that we need to understand. In verse 11, it says, because we understand our fearful, fearful responsibility of the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. We work hard to be peacemakers in our world. And I believe this kind of peace is what spreads. Man, it's contagious. Either way, verse 14, it says, Christ's love controls us or Christ's love compels us. There's something in my life that's compelling me to make amends. There's something in my life that's com- compelling me to make amends in relationships. And then in verse 16, it says this, and this is the key. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We regard no one. Everybody say no one. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do no, so no longer. And, and, and let me tell you the heart of that. Basically what he's saying is that like, now that we see people and we see what Jesus has done in my life, we see the brokenness that I came from, everybody that I see from here on out, I want to see them with the eyes of Christ and not with my eyes. I want to see that when they're hurtful, I want to see that when they say things that are hurtful, when they do things that are hurtful, when they act a certain way that's hurtful, I wanna see that when they're doing those things, it's not because in and of themselves they want to be hurtful, they're hurting inside. There's something inside that's not clicking for them. And so I wanna see with the eyes of Christ that when he was going to the cross, and they were weeded, uh, whipping him and beating him and, and spitting on him and, and doing all these things to him as he's going. He turns, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He saw something inside of them that stirred his heart. You see, church, this is the hardest part of reconciliation right here. That now all of a sudden we were once not able to see with spiritual eyes, but now we are able to see with spiritual eyes. I've been a recipient of that love that's transformed me and now I want to see others in that same way. Listen to this. Forgiveness. I want you to hear this. Forgiveness and reconciliation are at the very heart of the gospel message. You have been forgiven by God. Now go and forgive others freely. Christmas brought the peace of reconciliation that destroys the work of the devil. And let me hear you say, hear me say this. Through his lies of offense, everybody say offense and unforgiveness. Holding an offense or holding unforgiveness for those who have wrongly you know, done something to you or who wronged you in some way will only rob you of the joy that the angels came to speak about in Jesus. And so I just want to finish real quickly with these four things of, of what reconciliation to one another should look like. Because I really feel like... I, want, I think we all want the reconciliation between God, we get that part, he's given it to us, we wanna share God. But listen to these four things real quick about one another when we talk about reconciliation. Reconciliation with one another must be intentional. Let me just tell you right now, if somebody has wronged you or you've wronged them, you won't, you won't get to reconciliation by accident, amen? 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 The love of Christ compels you, church. When Paul spoke that and he says, the love of Christ compels me, the love of Christ compels us. When he said that, what he's saying is that it pushes us. God's love literally pushes us. It's not that we want to go in harm's way. It's not that we want to go and be ridiculed. It's not that we want to go and, 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 and make amends. or It's not that we want to go and speak love over those who have been persecuting us. But he says the love of God compels us. It literally pushes us. It controls us. It's not what we would do in the natural flesh. But something inside of us, we're controlled, we're compelled by the love of God. And so reconciliation between you and somebody who's wronged you or you've wronged them is not going to happen by accident. It's God pushing you to that person. Amen? Number two, reconciliation requires vulnerability. To embrace someone is to expose your heart. To expose your heart is to get vulnerable. Reconciliation will never happen until the heart is exposed. You know, we all have our different, different ways, men and women in particular have our different ways and when we deal with this word vulnerability, we talk about this a lot in our men's groups on, on Mondays and Thursdays. You got a bunch of guys gathered down in this basement, 20 guys and we're trying to break through hearts and hardened hearts and trying to get to the real story. And what you'll find is for the first like 20, 30 minutes, the conversation is like, so what'd you do this weekend, Bill? Uh, went, went goose hunting, right? And then all of a sudden that guy feels like he's got like one up. He's like, yeah, I was out grizzly hunting. It's not that big of a deal. Gun jammed, jumped on, choked the grizzly out. It's pretty cool. But yeah, geese are awesome too, by the way. So it's like we're all trying to one up one another for what we did. Trying to be more manly, more manly, more manly, more manly. And so for that first like 30 minutes, we're just trying to, you know, trying to size one another up, it feels like at times. And yet every now and again, you'll have that one, man. He says, "I I don't care about the hunting. I don't care about the cars. I don't care. Let me me tell you what's really going on, man, my my wife and I, we were just in the the throes, man. We are just in despair right now. I don't even know if we're going to make it through the holidays. Divorce papers are on the table, we're just broken, or you got other ones that say, man, my son or daughter, they just, I just feel like they hate me, and all of a sudden the whole atmosphere in the room changes. All these guys that were like, yeah, man, I was out hunting, I was fixing my car, I was whatever. Everything begins to change in that moment. And you see something real happen in hearts. Vulnerability comes out. You see all these guys being to lay their stuff on the table. This is where I'm at, this is where I'm at, this is where I'm at, this is where I'm at. Something changes because of vulnerability. When somebody's hurt you, it wounded you, or you've wounded and hurt somebody else, it takes a heart of vulnerability to go to that person. Does that mean you could be hurt again? Yes. Does that mean that you could hurt them again? Probably. But if you truly want this ministry of reconciliation, then you've got to allow your heart to be vulnerable. You've got to break off all that stuff that says, don't go to that place, don't go to that place. And you've got to go in with that vulnerable heart that says, man, I'm sick and tired of having my joy robbed and I'm sick and tired of robbing your joy. It's time to reconcile to one another. The third thing real quickly is reconciliation demands humility humility puts us in a position to be reconciled to one another a price has to be paid listen a price has to be paid for reconciliation Jesus paid the ultimate price and now we pay a price we swallow our pride we swallow our pride we bury the hatchet we admit if we were wrong we admit that you wronged me we go through with hearts of humility and the fourth thing is this, reconciliation has to be birthed in prayer. Meaning that you don't just go in, guns blazing, but that prayer is where you develop your strategy. Lord Jesus, you get on your face, you get on your knees. Lord Jesus, I was once a wretched sinner. Man, I was once so messed up and so broken. Still am at times. Still am. am. Yet you saw fit to step off your throne in Jesus Christ in a baby in a manger that I could know life. You saw fit to do that. So why in the world do I want to try to stick it to somebody else because somehow they've hurt me or somehow I've hurt them? So it's birth and prayer. So what I, I want to do today is, is just simply this. The band's going to cl- close out with a song. I'm going to invite our prayer team. Will you guys coming up? We've got about six minutes. I just want to encourage you guys for a minute. If today you struggle with reconciliation between you and Jesus, if today you you, you, you struggle with reconciliation between God giving you that mantle to go and speak reconciliation over other people, or if maybe you need reconciled to somebody, maybe you know right now in this room that you've been at war with a family member, you've been at war with a marriage, you've been at war with... With, with a coworker, you've been at war with life and there's just a difficulty in that. I wanna just encourage you, the altar is gonna be open. If you don't, this is your time up here. If you want prayed over, you guys can go to our prayer team. If you just need time with the Lord, you can come to the altar. But I wanna encourage you not to leave this place until you really begin to deal with reconciliation in your heart. Don't leave this place, man, and, and do another Christmas, Christmas 2018, if you know that there's struggle between you and somebody else. Don't leave this place, man, until you give that over the Lord. Birth it in prayer right now, and then let God do something with that. Don't leave this place if you don't know that you've been reconciled to God. So let me just pray over you guys today. Heavenly Father, this morning. Jesus, we just declare, we know that your word says you came to restore and you came to rename. God, you you came to give us salvation. You came for all those things. You came to save us. But God, it literally says in your word that you came and and saved us and because of that, you reconciled us and because of that, you now give, give us the ministry of reconciliation. God, where something inside of us compels us, Something inside of us controls us. The love of God compels us. The love of God controls us. It pushes us out, out of our comfort zones. And it says, go, go and share this hope. Go and share this joy. Go and share this peace. But then on the other side, it says, if there's something between you and another brother, something between you and another sister, something between you and another person, then go and reconcile that. Before you do anything else, go and reconcile that. So, God, I pray that this Christmas 2018, before we take another step, before we take another move, God, in our life, that, Jesus, we would shore up areas of reconciliation that we've been struggling through. So we just turn it over and we give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We got to stand. And, again, the altar's open. If you guys just need some prayer through that, the prayer team would love to pray with you guys with that.
0: So I have something on my heart, and it's been on my heart all morning, but um, I don't know who needs to hear it, but I feel like somebody in here does. Um, recently, I have gone to somebody and I, who hurt me, and I told them, I was like, I forgive you, but um, I feel like I decided that I needed to do that about a year ago. And I told myself okay like I forgive them I don't need to tell them I'm good you know but I think that sometimes there's still a stronghold if you don't physically do it if you don't physically say it or throw it off like it might be an invisible thing but it's so real so if it's shame or lies sometimes it's really helpful to just physically throw it off like just the motion of throwing it off and if it's forgiveness you need to forgive somebody go talk to them because there's still gonna be a stronghold it doesn't matter but just an encouragement like when I did that I I just saw like the Lord he was standing here with his hands open like wanting to give me the freedom wanting to give me the release of my fear because everywhere I went I was so fearful that I would see this person but when I let go and I told him that I forgive him I don't fear I don't have fear of seeing him I don't have fear or anxiety so it's a real thing and the Lord wants to give you freedom and he wants to give you joy and hope For listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to RelianceCommunity.org.